Well, welcome to our continuing Bible study in uh, Luke, and we're in chapter 18, beginning in verse 31 today. <clears throat> and it's interesting that last our last lesson that we had had to do with this uh, the rich young ruler, and and the lesson was titled "What Shall I Do? What Shall I Do?" Uh, and we we kind of went through all those. Uh, scenarios that religion brings to people and uh, what what shall I do as opposed to depending solely on grace. And then the next thing we see is Christ says, here's what I'm doing. <laughs> it's not what, what you should do, but here's what, what I should do. Uh, in verse 31 it says, Then he took unto him the twelve, and said unto them, <clears throat> Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, and shall be mocked, and spitefully entreated, and spitted on, and they shall scourge him, and put him to death, and the third day he shall rise again. And they understood none of these things. And this saying was hid from them, neither knew they the things which were spoken." Boy, it just it's just a wonderful how he how he takes it from what shall I do to here's here's what I'm I'm doing and what's going to happen to me on your behalf and <clears throat> so important to keep that circumstance uh, in in our minds as we as we look at it and you know today we have the advantage. <laughs> uh, those disciples were living day to day, and even though they were with Christ and they saw what He did on a day to day basis, and all the healings and all the all the gospel that He delivered to them, and He mentioned to them in uh, in Luke uh, chapter nine that the, He said, "Oh, you know, I'm going to Jerusalem to be killed and rise again the third day." And so this isn't the first time that He's mentioned that. In fact, in my topical headings of my in my bible here on it says jesus foretells his death for the third time and uh, so it's not a new thing that he's bringing up but he 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 brings it up as suits his purpose and but you know we have the advantage because we can like skip ahead to chapter 24 (laughs) we can see what happened you know and and we can read all the New Testament uh, commentaries from Paul and Peter and John and 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 we can we can have the advantage of seeing everything that they were just living on a day to day basis and couldn't see ahead and yet he says unless unless it's revealed to them it remains hid. They understood none of these things, even though they were there. <clears throat> and uh, uh, it, remained, it, it was to them, it was hidden. <clears throat> and so again, Jesus, He lays forth the, the sovereign purpose which He's been engaged in since before the foundation of the world. He, his face was set like a flint to go to Jerusalem and give His life a ransom for many, to lay down His life for the sheep. <clears throat> and He said... 
Behold, we go to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. And boy, uh, the more you look, the more you see when it's when a little bit of grace is opened up to you. And Norm's been bringing all these lessons from Leviticus and Numbers and and everything that points to Christ in those Old Testament scriptures, and and we find that's the very thing that Jesus tells them all the time is everything that he does and says is comes from what he directed to be in the old testament and and he says they shall be accomplished and we'll look at that phrase here in in a in a minute a very interesting phrase there's just so much that was interesting about this other than uh all the things that he's doing uh to save his people from their sins uh going to Jerusalem, but uh, there's just a lot that's, there's just layer after layer, just like uh, we always find in in the, in our previous lessons on uh, grace and how manifold it is and how expansive it is and how, how just, how just, how little of it that we are permitted to see and uh, <clears throat> And, you know, many Bible topical headings, as I mentioned, said Jesus foretells his death a third time. And then you go to some uh, commentaries on that uh, block of Scripture. And it says, Jesus is going to, he's predicting what's going to happen. Like it's, he's got a crystal ball and he can kind of just see uh, what it is. And and even though the word, the actual word predict is, is a proper word that kind of describes accurately <clears throat> uh, means to pre means before and dict me talks about talking so to to say before <clears throat> what happens <clears throat> but in the modern translations they use that word like the international standard version uh, uses that word and it gives the same sense of assuredness but in in today's language, things just change so much in our in in today's language that it doesn't really have that same forceful context that we find used in the Bible and and in today's language and understanding predictions are are they're less reliable. Mm-hmm. And uh, I read in this one uh, dictionary. On online that said a prediction is what someone thinks will happen. A prediction is a forecast. Pre means before and diction has to do with talking. So a prediction is a statement about the future. And in current times, it's it's a guess. It's a guess that's based maybe on facts or evidence, but not always. <laughs> like there are, every day there's pundits on the news predicting who's going to win this election or who's going to win that election based on polls that are maybe sketchy <laughs> or some of them may be reliable some of them maybe not and uh, you know previous elections they found out that their polls weren't worth anything they were all wrong but they predicted based on those and they convinced people that we're right because we're predicting based on this evidence that turns out not to be right but with the lord when he foretells something when he when he foretells his disciples it's it's assurance it's a guaranteed thing and uh, and we're going to examine this shall be accomplished phrase here and 
you know the term shall <clears throat> declares the absolute reliability, the absolute assurance that a fact guaranteed an indisputable truth when it comes from the Lord. And you know, shall be accomplished is actually it's one word in the Greek it's the word teleo and <clears throat> it it's translated various ways and it has these various meanings that are all very pertinent to what the Lord is telling the disciples and what he's telling the church and what he's done for the church and what he wrote that he would do for the church. It's a, it's a very interesting word and it indicates, this word teleo indicates to end, to accomplish, to complete, to conclude, to make an end, to finish. Sometimes it's used in uh, to describe discharging a debt, to pay, all things which Jesus actually did accomplish for his people. And we'll look at some scriptures where those that term uh, teleo is used to describe uh, the words that we just looked at here in this definition. And, and, and Jesus used it in several scriptures declaring his fulfillment in the covenant of grace. And John 19.30, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it's finished. It's accomplished. He said it shall be accomplished, and it, and it was accomplished. It was a completed act. The debt was paid. He bowed his head and gave up the ghost. In Matthew seventeen twenty four, it's used to indicate a payment where uh, some folks came up to the disciples and they were concerned that Jesus wasn't paying the his share to the government. And they said, doesn't your master pay tribute? <laughs> pay, and that's that same word, teleo. Uh, and <clears throat> Luke 2.39 describes Mary and Joseph having performed all things according to the law of the Lord concerning Jesus. And then they returned to Nazareth. So it was a thing performed. It was, actually, it was a completed act. They had performed all the things according to the law. They took him to the temple and they they dedicated him and had the prayer and did the two doves and all the things that were required in the law of Moses concerning a, a, a baby had been circumcised and all those things. <clears throat> and so the term is is very strong. It's very absolute in declaring the certainty of the success of Christ in redeeming the church. It, it's... Uh, it's not just a, a crystal ball prediction that's up to the whimsy of men. And by fulfilling all the law of the Lord, paying the required price for the sins of his people, satisfying God the Father by finishing the work that he was given to do in the covenant of grace. Isn't that what it says in John seventeen four? I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. I have that's that same word teleo. I have teleo, uh, the, the work. It's accomplished. <clears throat> the debt is paid. It's finished. It's completed. Confer concerning verses uh, thirty-two and thirty-three, <clears throat> that he describes, uh, he says, "We're going up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written in the prophets concerning me shall be accomplished." <clears throat> And then he lists a few of those things <clears throat> there in verse 32. For, and that takes us right back to that sentence about all things that are written by the prophets. 
as a result, because it was written by the Spirit of God, penned by the hands of the prophets, because that's what God determined would be done, he shall be delivered to the Gentiles. He shall be mocked and spitefully entreated and spitted on, and they shall scourge him and put him to death, and the third day he shall rise again. What a what a list. What a and to say it calmly, <laughs> that could only be divine. That could only you know, not uh, it just escapes our ability to conceptualize his demeanor and that from the Lord God Almighty saying, this is, this is what I'm going to put up with and take. And for the, the joy that was set before him, he would endure all these things. We're going to read that scripture from Hebrews uh, chapter 12, I think. But... Uh, Just an amazing, an amazing terms there in that scripture. And, um, I'd like to look at some specifics there. He shall be delivered to the Gentiles, shall be mocked, spitefully entreated, spitted on. They shall scourge him, put him to death. The third day shall rise again. And <clears throat> I wanted to look at some specifics about how contrary to human ways and standards... Jesus ultimately works all these things for good to them who love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Every one of those things that he lists there, he turns from the evil that was conceived upon him and turns them into grace for his people. Uh, And isn't that what we found in Genesis chapter 50 when Joseph's brothers uh, finally worked up enough courage to go down and and he revealed himself to them. Isn't that interesting that he had to reveal himself to them the same as God had, Christ had to reveal all these things to the disciples. He said, you meant it for evil. All those things you did to me, you meant it for evil. You did not have one good intention in what you did. You, you thought you'd kill me. You stole my stuff. And then you threw me in a pit, and then you sold me. <laughs> you thought all that stuff for evil, but God meant it for good to save much people alive. What a picture! What a picture of the gospel in that Genesis fifty verse twenty. And in enmity, he was turned over to the Gentiles, and in that word's delivered, it comes up. <clears throat> the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the Gentiles. And that was the Romans and mocked for being called king. Delivered in the Greek gives us the sense of being given over through the act of betrayal. Is what that word means. Uh, And it it described in the Old Testament, uh, Psalm 41.9 says, Yea, my, my own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. And truly, in Luke 22, he says, Truly the Son of Man goeth as it was written of him, 
but woe unto that man by, by whom he's betrayed. It's all written. It was all determined. But it's not free. <laughs> and sovereignly that we, we know that all this was according to the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God to accomplish his eternal purpose, which he purposed in Christ, which is ultimately is the redemption of the church, bringing all the church home to him in spotless and without wrinkle and without sin and in uh, changed from the condition that we were in under sin in the fall. Uh, interesting lesson that we'll probably do sometime when Norm's gone is what will be like then different than we are now and not encumbered by all the things that sin you know sin impacts every single atom of every single thing in the world and everything is impacted by the fall and uh, when we're free of that it's hard to imagine all the how things will be but uh, we'll save that for another time but him being delivered it says in Acts 2.23 him being turned over by betrayal by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Acts 2.23. What a powerful message there that, that Peter and the disciples uh, brought there and, uh, and the believers were like, yeah, that, it was us. In Isaiah 53, 7 said, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought or delivered as a lamb to the slaughter. You know, that lamb just goes along. It doesn't know what's going to happen to it. <laughs> it's just innocent. And <clears throat> so it's kind of a picture of that betrayal that the person leaves it up and hands it over and then it's it slaughtered. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shears is dumb, so opening not his mouth. And substituted in the place of guilty sinners whom he came to save and mocked as a king. You know, in, in John chapter 7 or 18, he's, he's after he's been arrested and and uh, we were talking this morning about, you know, the disciples not really understanding all this stuff. And they said, Peter said, not so, not so. Uh, and he smote off Malchus's ear. <laughs> and, and we're not going to let them take you and do mean stuff to you. <laughs> and he says, you know, it's expedient for you that I go. It's important. It's absolutely necessary that I, that I go and fulfill all these things for you. And if I don't do that, you just don't have any part of me. <laughs> it's just simple as simple as that. But he he's taken before Pilate, and the the Jews said he's calling himself a king. That's a insurrection against Caesar, you know. And and uh, <clears throat> Pilate said therefore unto him in John eighteen thirty seven, Art thou a king then? And Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. And then he says, to this end was I born. And for this cause came I into the world. He didn't come into the world just to be a king on a throne and give people orders and 
more rules and stuff to do. He came to save his people from his their sins. That's what he, he came to do. For this cause came I into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth, the truth of the gospel. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. And Pilate then said, I, I find no fault in him. What is? He says, what is truth? Truth is subjective. <laughs> Just like we were talking about that word predict. You know, it's kind of a subjective word now. And, and in Pilate's time, truth is, truth is what we say it is. Truth is subjective. And it, and it just depends on what your definition of truth is. <laughs> so uh, we can say it means whatever we want it to say. But the truth that comes from Jesus, the truth that comes from God is the truth truth, the absolute truth. <clears throat> Pilate said, I find no fault in him verifying that he was the perfect Lamb of God. Isn't it interesting how the Lord even He uses people that they're not Christians. Pilate was not a Christian. He was a pagan Roman authoritarian ruler, just in charge of making sure that the money rolled in from that section and there wasn't any insurrection or any trouble. And that was it. He was not interested in the Jews' religion. He said, that's your your business. You take care of it. <clears throat> I find no fault in him. <clears throat> the kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ for of a truth against thy holy child Jesus whom thou has anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand God's hand and thy counsel, God's counsel, determine before to be done. Not just would make it possible, not just make it where, well, it could happen, but maybe not. Not always. It shall happen. It shall be accomplished, shall be finished. His counsel determine before to be done for the redemption of the church. And his purpose is made known to us pretty plainly in Ephesians, just that he might gather together in one in Christ all things. So let's look at being spitted on, as he said in verse 32. He's going to be spit on. You know, that that's the ultimate display of contempt by man. They spit on you, that just shows you what they think. They spit on you, it just shows ultimate contempt you know, in Isaiah chapter 50, verse 6, he says, I gave my back to the spider, the smiters, the, that talks about that scourging that he would endure. I gave my back to the smiters. My cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. And we've talked about that before. I have a lot of hair on my cheeks. And if somebody, somebody went and pulled some of them out, we're going to have a problem because <laughs> it hurts. <laughs> They are rooted in there pretty good. And uh, I gave my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. What, 
what a prophecy, what a, this shall be accomplished. And he, he endured it with, with joy for, for his church. <clears throat> Hebrews 12.2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author, the, the, the writer, the beginner of, and of our faith, the finisher of our faith. He, takes, he writes it. He's the creator of it in the beginning. And he's the finisher of it. It shall be accomplished. He is the beginning and the end of it. Who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despised the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hallelujah. And yet Jesus turns the spitting this ultimate display of contempt into an ultimate display of healing. Isn't that interesting? He takes this nastiest thing they could do to him in contempt. In John 9, 6, when he spoke and he spat on the ground and he made clay of the spittle and he anointed the eyes of a blind man and healed him where he could see. He took that, he took what they used against him in contempt and made a miracle out of it. He says, "Here's what the, here's what the spit of God can do. <laughs> Your lowest thing that you could think of to do to me, I'm going to take it and use it to open the eyes of a man that was blind from birth, and give him sight. Give and he gave him more than just physical sight. He gave him spiritual sight." And there you can you can go back and read about that in John chapter nine when you have time, but what a miracle and he and he uses that he'll be spit upon. I just thought that was so cool he, he just said okay i'll I'll show you what can happen with that <clears throat> verse thirty three says he would be scourged, whipped unmercifully by men who could not and would not show mercy. you know they had that. I think we've we've mentioned that in some previous Bible lessons where they had this whip made out of nine leather things, straps, and they sometimes they would put little bits of metal in the on the end of them and or sharp things and bone or whatever, and then so it would inflict the maximum amount of damage. And the Jewish rule I think was thirty nine lash, forty lashes save one or something like that, and. And not many people survived that. That that scourging uh, killed a lot of them just right off. They just just killed them. End of story. He took that in our place with his stripes. We're healed. Every one of those tentacles of that whip made a mark on him. And with his stripes, we're healed. He took that that nastiness that they inflicted on him without mercy and without any thought and satisfied the righteousness and justice of God in our place, took the punishment that we, we earned. Uh, what a picture uh, of the absolute righteousness and justice of God who cannot and will not allow sin against him to be unpunished. Somebody is going to pay. And Christ said, 
I'll pay. And then that what that word meant, it shall be accomplished. He'll satisfy that debt. He'll discharge that debt that we owe. <clears throat> Surely, Isaiah 53, 4 says, Surely He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Now there's a good scripture that we were talking this morning about. So many in religion are coming up with this, Jesus became a sinner. But it says, He didn't, he didn't become grief. He didn't become sorrow. He carried them. He bore them. He took our sorrows and our griefs. He bore them, our sins. And yet we did a stream him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. God determined that he should endure that scourging. Someone must pay. Jesus would turn the scourging to provide Mercy to his elect by substituting himself in our place. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. All those things which were foretold and which displayed the wrath of God, the wrath toward God that we have, enmity against him which abused the very son of God were ultimately used by him to save much people alive isn't that an interesting concept for us to dwell on as as the church all those things that all the enmity that was poured out on him all the wrath that was poured out on him by men he turned every single one of those into something for his church all things work together for good even the lashing, even the scourging, even the pulling his beard out, the spitting. All those things work for good to them that love God who are the called according to his purpose. <clears throat> and Colossians 2.13 says, You, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, that just means we still... In, in our natural condition, we still depended on the flesh for our, our righteousness, our salvation, our, our every need. You that were in that condition, hath He quickened together with Him, having forgiven you all trespasses, because He endured all these things in our place. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances which was against us, which was contrary to us, you know, we talked about when he hanged on that cross and they put the accusation above him and it said, he, King of the Jews, and they tried to get him, the Jews tried to get him to say, why don't you write, he said he was the King of the Jews. Why don't you just change that a little bit? Let's rewrite that a little. Let's rephrase that so it meets our political aims and religious ideology. Change that. He says, I've written what I've written. But the thief next to him, they put a subscription on him that said, thief and robber. And the other one, murderer. They put their name up there and they put their crime that they were... So that it was a warning to people. You, you do these things, this is, where, this is your end. And every one of us has the handwriting of ordinances against us from birth. And he blotted out that. 
blotted out means it's just like erase. I have the Mr. Clean magic eraser sometimes and I have a mark or something and I just go boop, 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 and it's gone. It's not just covered up. Just not like white out where you just paint over it. It blots it out and it's just gone like it never was. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross, having spoiled principalities and powers, all those ones that, that connived against him, all those ones that, that imagined wickedness to him and, and committed it. He spoiled that stuff and used it to save much people alive. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. And in spite of this, you know, in spite of all this terminology that Jesus used and all these things that he said, I'm going, we're going up to Jerusalem, not just for the Passover, but I am the Passover. We're going up there and, and I'm going to be betrayed, turned over to those Romans. And they're going to treat me shamefully and spitefully and do all these horrendous things to me. In spite of that, yet the disciples, were, they didn't understand it. It says they were without understanding. And, you know, I'm sure they knew they were going to Jerusalem because it was Passover and they, everybody went to Jerusalem for Passover. Millions of Jews went to Jerusalem for Passover because it was kind of in the law that you had to go three times a year to Jerusalem for these feasts and that was one of them. And... and so they knew that they could kind of see, but through the glass darkly, they they were with Jesus every day and saw who he was and what he was, but yet they didn't fully understand the significance of him take, taking all this abuse. And they, they didn't get it. And it says they understood it not, and it was it was hid from them. The divine plan was not yet revealed to them completely as yet. And, you know, the Lord has complete knowledge and understanding of our human capacity, which is infinitesimal. <laughs> uh, we just don't have much. And what we do have is only because He's revealed it to He's given it to us. <clears throat> they understood none of these things, and this saying was hid from them. Later, their friend, their Lord, their Savior would confide in them truths, which, and he'd been kind of doing it all along, little by little, line upon line, like the Old Testament says, line upon line. He revealed to them little by little, but they didn't quite, they, they heard it, and it was in their conscious but they didn't quite get it and he says after I'm gone the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to lead you into all truth and he's going to reveal these things and when he does you're going to remember that I told you these things you're going to have perfect recollection of everything that I told you that's going to be necessary because you're going to have to go and tell this good news to the folks out there, to the church. And <clears throat> so he would confide in them truths that he promised the Spirit of God would make clear to them in time when their hearts were prepared 
he said in John sixteen twelve, he said, I have many things to say unto you, but uh, you cannot bear them now. You're not, you're not to the point where you can absorb them and bear them now. It's just too much for you. And, you know, sometimes we think about, you know, David said, sometimes I sit up late at night and I think about all the wonderful things. And he says, it's just too much for me. I cannot contain. So it's just like overwhelming. It's just so expansive, so broad, so much. that You you just kind of like, I remember this uh, Far Side cartoon where the little boy's in the classroom and, he raises his hand and the teacher says, uh, what's the problem, Bob? And he says, my brain is full. <laughs> <laughs> he says, you can't bear them now. It's going to take some time for you to mature spiritually enough. And then when that happens, you're going to get more and you're going to get more and going to get more as it's revealed to you. And uh, the true Passover lamb was with them, yet they were long ways from being able to bear it. And in fact, right up to the time of the crucifixion, they were in denial and would be until the Spirit of God made everything clear. And not only were they in denial that bad things were going to happen, they're going to even say, we don't even know him. So said they all. Not just Peter. So said they all. How frail we are. And yet, that didn't diminish his love for them one iota. He still was their friend, their savior, their lord, their their love, and 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 he doesn't hold that against us. Oh, ye of Norman mentioned again this morning. Oh, ye little face. <laughs> You only have the the little faith you have is only because that's I gave it to you. By grace are you saved through faith, and that's not even of yourself. It's a gift of God. Whatever we have comes from Him. And however much we have comes from Him. And He's always telling us it's not a quantitative issue. <laughs> or we just all be doomed, you know. So... Uh, you know, in John sixteen fourteen, he says, These things have I told you that when the time shall come, you re- may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not to you at the beginning because I was with you. you and in verse 20, he says, later on, he says, You're going to weep. But when the Spirit comes to you and reveals to you the truth of everything, your tears are going to be turned into joy. What a wonderful thing. He he could he knew how they were going to react. He knew because he created them. He created all things. He knew exactly he knows our frame. He knows we are but dust and he knew that when they crucified him they would weep bitter tears. But then the purpose of it all would be revealed to them and their their tears would be turned into joy. He says, I'm going to give you the, the oil of joy for mourning. We had that lesson from Luke chapter 4. So, <clears throat> nothing new. Paul said the same thing in Corinthians 3.2, 1 Corinthians 3.2. He says, 
he's talking to those Corinthians. He says, you know, I fed you with milk, <laughs> not with meat. I have a lot of things I'd like to tell you. Just, he, he knew a lot because it had, a lot had been revealed to him by the Lord. And, and he, he's no different than us. You know, there, we run into people and we have so much that we'd like to tell them, but they're not able yet. They're just not. And until they're born again, they can't see the kingdom of God. They can't see it. So you're telling them stuff that means nothing, just words, and 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 they probably have not nice things to say to you in return because they can't see it. But but Paul said, you know what? I fed you with milk and not with meat. All we can do is share the gospel, the basic gospel. Let the Spirit take that and do with it as He will. And when they want meat, they'll come to you. We had this lady come a couple weeks ago and said, I needed some meat. I'm just not getting fed where I was going. I need some meat. As I fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you weren't able to bear it, and neither yet now are you able. So you guys have some, you need to digest the gospel and get this, get that straight in your in your minds, and then we can we can move on to that later on. But uh, so often we find that you know the Galatians. I I marvel that you're so soon removed from him to another gospel that's not another gospel. Mike brought that out in last week's uh, Bible class. So, you know, Lord, make us able to see your grace. That's the only way that we will. So that's the end of our lesson for today from Luke chapter 18, verse 31, and, and we'll be free.